Welcome to Smalltalk Reflections, a weekly podcast for discussing and promoting the Smalltalk programming language. On this episode, which Smalltalk? My name is David Buck, and with me today is Craig Latta. Hi, Craig. Hi, David. How are you? Not too bad. How are things out in Amsterdam? The holiday spirit is settling in, and people are going around ice skating and eating olibolen, which are basically donut holes dripped in hot syrup. Yeah, actually, here in Ottawa, um, sometime later in the winter, we're going to have um, ice skating on the Rideau Canal. I don't know if it's still, but was one of the longest outdoor skating rinks in the world. Oh, wow, fun. So you, you can actually start and you can skate for maybe five to ten miles down the canal. Wow, cool. So it's pretty cool. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the different versions of Smalltalk. And uh, this is a concept that's very strange to many other developers because they're, they're used to uh, having one language come from one source. So with Java, for instance, it was always the the official Java from Sun Microsystems or now Oracle. And they're not used to having different variations of the same language, which we have in Smalltalk. Mm-hmm. So, um, for instance, with Ruby, uh, Ruby also has one single source, and I believe also Python. There's one single official source, and nobody goes and re-implements Ruby or Python to have a different variation of it. Right. I guess there are still several C compilers and IDEs, but C has sort of always been a more of a behind-the-scenes hacker language than a, a, a splashy, popular one. Yeah, with C, um, the GCC compiler is becoming pretty universal, although still on Microsoft platforms, they still have their own Microsoft C compiler. Yeah. So for Smalltalk, um, when Smalltalk first came out in the uh, late 1980s, it was released from Xerox Park, and uh, it was released to a company called Park Place, who went to commercialize it. When they did that, they called it ObjectWorks, and so that was one of the first versions of Smalltalk to be commercialized. But strangely, there were other dialects around at the time that other people had re-implemented from scratch. For example, there was a, a an object database called Gemstone which was available for sale in the late 1980s as well. So uh, it's not just uh, the one vendor of the official Smalltalk 80. With that version of Smalltalk, it eventually switched from a product called ObjectWorks to one called VisualWorks and was eventually sold to a company called Syncom, so now they own it as Syncom Smalltalk. So Syncom Smalltalk actually consists of two Smalltalks, one called VisualWorks and one called Object Studio. Uh Uh-huh. So that's one vendor, Syncom. Another commercial vendor, uh, very big in the field as well, is uh, called Instantiations, and they have a product called VA Smalltalk. Now, VA Smalltalk was originally called Visual Age Smalltalk and was developed by IBM. But IBM, over the years, sort of lost interest in it, and they handed everything over to Instantiations. Well, Instantiations has basically full control over VA Smalltalk. So that's their, their one and only business. That's right. IBM had a line of things called Visual Age, right? Yeah, they actually had Visual Age Smalltalk and Visual Age Java and Visual Age Connect, which was a 4GL type of product. Um, actually, the ideas from Visual Age Java 
led to the development of Eclipse. And Visual Edge Java was implemented with Smalltalk, right? It was. In fact, in the early days, you could break through the uh, the Java layer, in a sense, and get back to the basic Smalltalk. So it was kind of weird that under underneath Visual Edge Java, you had Smalltalk running. Oh, cool. And there's still some original code from the Xerox PARC implementation in some of these other ones, right? Um, in some of these other ones, uh, for instance, in VisualWorks, uh, there's code from the original Xerox PARC um, icon library. For example, there are thumbs up and thumbs down cursors that used to work with the original Smalltalk 80. And those methods are still in VisualWorks. So VisualWorks actually has a complete trail going all the way back to the original Smalltalk 80. With the other two Smalltalks we've mentioned so far, Object Studio and VA Smalltalk, they were re-implemented from scratch. So they don't have the link back to the original Smalltalk, but they still implement the same basic methods, the same basic library. Okay, but all of those are image-based, right? So you can imagine apps made from those systems a long time later that still have code from the original release in them. Exactly. And in fact, uh, with all of these different uh, Smalltalks, you will be able to find code in them from the original versions back when they were they were originally released. Uh, visual work goes back the longest into Smalltalk 80 days. Yeah, there's lots of code in there from the early days of uh, Visual Age Smalltalk in the current versions of VA Smalltalk. And Object Studio originally developed from a product called Enfin Smalltalk. And they still have lots of code in there that is related to Enfin. So uh, yeah, these, these Smalltalks have a long history. The difficulty that we have is that because they're different small talks, they have different image formats and somewhat different libraries. So it's, really, it's fairly hard to move code from one version of small talk to another if you're taking advantage of anything that's at all specific to that small talk. Uh, okay, so at some point we really did need a, a standardization effort. In fact, there was a standardization effort that went in. It was called ANSI, and they came up with this ANSI standard. After the NC standard, people who had small talks started to adapt their small talks to conform to the standard. So if you programmed to the standard, then your code would work on all of the different small talks, which made things a whole lot easier. And uh, the, the standard did a lot to help small talk become more standardized. Uh, what it didn't cover, though, is things like user interfaces. And that's where a lot of the pain comes in, that each different kind of small talk has a whole different way of doing user interfaces. So it's really hard to take user interface code and move it from system to system. Uh, another commercial small talk is Gemstone. Uh, this is from a company called Gemtalk Systems. And Gemstone is interesting because it's not only an implementation of small talk, it's a whole object database. So it's sort of like running small talk for stored procedures. Uh, the, the Smalltalk code actually runs on the server. With Gemstone, uh, there's another, I guess, a variation of it. It is still Gemstone, but it's called Glass. And it's uh, their solution for uh, web applications written in Smalltalk. Basically, right within one server, you have not only the database to handle the persistence, but you have a uh, library called Seaside, which provides a web interface to the outside world. GLASS stands for um, Gemstone, Linux, Apache, Smalltalk, Seaside. 
I guess this would be an alternative to the traditional LAMP stack for web apps. Exactly. That's why they called it Glass, is to compare it to LAMP. Uh, LAMP being Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. Now, what's the difference between an object database and a relational database? Um, object databases actually fit in better with object-oriented languages than relational databases do. Uh, relational databases represent their data using tables and columns. And if you have information that has to link from one table to another, you use what's called a foreign key. So you have some number in one of your columns that says uh, this is the number of some ID of another element in another table. In uh, an object database, all of that stuff is hidden away. What it looks like to you is it looks as if you have just objects that are linked to other objects. The difference is that in a relational database, it's easy to say, for instance, pull out all the addresses that match some pattern because they're all in one spot. But in an object database, it's a little bit harder to do that. Where an object database shines is when you have an object that has many different parts in it, maybe several dates or several addresses, and uh, it has those all in one spot, so it's easy to get to. Whereas with a relational database, your uh, dates and your timestamps and your um, addresses and persons are all scattered across the database in multiple tables. So it's a different philosophy. Uh, on a project that I work on, we do use Gemstone, and we find that it's so much easier developing object-oriented software with an object-oriented database because basically you just connect into the database to say, change this object in this way and commit. And it does it, and it's the same model that's used by the client. Yeah, and I imagine this locality of reference issue you mentioned has uh, big implications for performance as well. Right, and uh, that's why in some cases, Smalltalk or an object database performs very well compared to a relational database. And uh, in other cases, it performs fairly poorly compared to a relational database, depending on what you're doing. So um, if really what you're doing is pulling off large groups of related data, an object database is good. If what you're doing is scanning through the same kind of data but not necessarily related by some sort of, um, let's say, relationship to some other object, then uh, object the, the relational databases can scan through that data faster. So there is a give and take. But I find in general that the object databases work pretty well for object-oriented software. I find Smalltalk systems tend to be very good at... Uh migrating instances from one uh, class format to another. So when you want to change, basically change your schema, uh, that operation is very quick. But when you're using a row-based system, that operation is usually very slow and you try to avoid it. Yes. And in fact, one thing that Gemstone is uh, very good at, uh, amazingly, it can actually have different versions of your class in the library at different times. And it can have instances belonging to either one version. So if I, I could have one version that has three instance variables, and I have instances of that, and I have another version that has five instance variables, and I have instances of that, but they're the same class name. And it's just that I haven't taken the time to migrate the original three uh, instance variable objects up to the five instance variable objects. So I can do that at a time when I'm comfortable doing that migration. So it's a very interesting concept. Cool. 
Uh, let's talk about open source software. Um, there are various open source small talks available. Uh, the, the two primary ones that we talk about are Squeak and Faro. So you've done a lot of work with Squeak. Can you say something about it? Yeah, Squeak was also derived from Smalltalk 80, even more directly, I would say. When original Smalltalk implementers uh, Dan Ingalls and Alan Kay uh, were at Apple later uh, in the 90s, they wanted a system to use to pursue their own research. They wanted something very malleable. And they ended up reviving a version of Smalltalk 80 that Mario Walkso developed. Mario had basically taken the Blue Book description of the virtual machine which expressed the virtual machine in Smalltalk code and actually made it run. So that basically gave you a virtual machine simulator. And that's Squeak's uh, main differentiator, I would say, is that uh, you can really ensure the portability of the system uh, because you can run it as a, a Smalltalk app itself. And that's very useful for debugging the system, for debugging primitives in particular. Later, uh, Dan Ingalls and John Maloney, when they were at Apple, um, formalized this uh, connection between the Smalltalk dialect used to write the system and a generated C implementation that you could derive from that in an automated way. It actually wasn't until later when Squeak started being used other places that that dialect of Smalltalk got a name. At Interval Research, Frank Zadubel started calling it slang and the name stuck in the community. <laughs> okay, so that's where it came from. Um, now, is... Uh... Is Squeak an interpreted version of Smalltalk, or is it a dynamically compiled version? Well, it started off being a pure interpreter, but later a few people have written uh, dynamic translators uh, for Squeak. There was a system called Exupery, written by Bryce Kampjes, and another one, which is under active development now, called Cog by Elliot Miranda. Yeah, and Elliot is uh, a longtime uh, virtual machine uh, specialist, I guess, in Smalltalk. Yeah, he worked for a long time on VisualWorks. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a separate version of Smalltalk which has spun off from Squeak, and that's called Faro, P-H-A-R-O, uh, which is um, a variation of, of Squeak. So uh, what's the difference then between Squeak and Faro? Yeah, Faro is a project uh, led by uh, Stéphane Ducasse and Marcus Denker at INRIA, the National French Research Institute, to make a more business-oriented version of Squeak, I would say. Something which doesn't have as much uh, speculative ongoing research in it, but only has more polished, ready-to-go frameworks in it. So the original Squeak then was uh, meant more as a, uh, a tool for teaching kids to program and for uh, exploring small talk, but not necessarily focused on business applications or commercial development. Yeah, there was nothing really limiting the scope of Squeak, but it did tend to be used by more exploratory groups, uh, including Interval, which I mentioned before, which was an industrial research laboratory. I think one thing I found every time I launched Squeak was that there are so many colors and it's all pastels. <laughs> Dan Ingalls was very fond of a more whimsical color scheme for UIs. And yeah, it's become quite notorious. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. So we have Squeak and Feral. Um, actually, if you were to recommend that somebody s start learning Smalltalk, what language, what dialect of Smalltalk uh, would you suggest? Well, I would definitely recommend one of the uh, Squeak-derived versions, uh, either Squeak itself or Faro. 
chiefly because you have the VM simulator in there. Now, a newcomer isn't going to want to start building their own VMs or simulating them right away, but some people are very curious, you know, what happens all the way down um, when they do a particular thing. So it won't be long before having that ability will be quite useful to use, even if it's only for a few minutes. See, that's me coming from a more commercial background. I tend to say uh, VisualWorks or VA Smalltalk are uh, really good versions of Smalltalk. But I don't know if I want to say if you're just playing around and learning Smalltalk, um, I, I don't think you would be uh, ill-advised to go to Faro first and learn Faro for, uh, from uh, for the Smalltalk perspective. Uh, the other Smalltalks do have some, um, some nice things in them in terms of... Um, some more advanced features and uh, and concrete support, but Faro um, is actually a nice little small talk to get started on. Yeah, certainly if you want commercial support, you're better off going with one of the commercial implementations. But I find most people who are learning small talk, they do start to want to know about primitives and how they're implemented pretty quickly. Hmm. Primitives is one of those little mysteries of how small talk works, and I guess. Uh, well, we'll talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, basically, primitives are the way, are the thing that connects Smalltalk to the host platform on which it's running. Exactly. So, okay, another version of Smalltalk that's been around for years and years and years is called GNU Smalltalk. And this is actually a GNU product. It's, um, I believe it's GPL licensed. Right. Uh, GNU Smalltalk historically has had no... Um, sort of graphical user interface associated to it. It's been a small talk that you edit in a standard editor and you have sort of a redevelop print loop to do work with it. There was a redevelop print loop implemented for it in Emacs. Several years after it started, a UI framework called Blocks uh, came into use. But yeah, for a long time, you just used it from a text editor. Yeah. So, uh, but that's been around for a long time and it's still being developed and still uh, progressing now, so it's an interesting dialect of small talk. Yeah, I think Steve Burns started writing GNU small talk in uh, 1991 or so. Steve Byrne and uh, Paolo Bonzini. Yeah, Paolo took it over later. Right. Um, a fairly newcomer to the scene within the last couple of years is one called Amber Small Talk. Um, Amber Small Talk is a small talk that runs in JavaScript. So any place where you can run JavaScript, you can run Small Talk. Yeah, that's cool. I was just checking that out. They even have a debugger that works, which is nice. Yeah, they have a debugger. They have uh, browsers that work right in the web browser. It's uh, it's pretty cool what they're doing. Um, and it's a nice way to get Smalltalk to run on systems that don't normally support Smalltalk. Yeah, and obviously you get lots of good uh, JavaScript integration as well. Yes, clearly. Um, I think it does have some of the same JavaScript limitations of for instance, how numbers work and things like that. For instance, uh, numbers, there, there's no distinction between integers and floats in JavaScript. It sort of treats them all the same. Yeah, and while we're talking about JavaScript, we should mention Squeak.js, which is Bert Freudenberg's implementation of Squeak, but using JavaScript instead of C as the, the target language for uh, slang, for the Smalltalk implementation of the VM. Very good. Is that still an image-based Smalltalk? Yeah, you can run uh, many different uh, Squeak images through time uh, with Squeak.js. It's very impressive. So what else do we have for Smalltalks? There have been so many through the years, and some of them are still being used and developed, and 
Some of them have gone by the wayside. I think we'll start with ones that are still being used by various shops. And I'm going to start off with one that uh, you work on is uh, called Spoon. Yeah, actually, now it's called Context. I changed the name of it, but for a while it was called Spoon. It's another, yeah, squeak-derived small talk. The main difference with that one is that it puts a high priority on modularity. It has a module system, and that system is based on remote messaging. So instead of the traditional file-out mechanism where you put code into a static text file and recompile it again in your target system, you have live small talk systems which are speaking with each other over a network using remote messaging. Hmm. Pretty cool. So you can do things like transfer methods which are compiled uh, from one system to another because you know those systems have negotiated and have figured out that they are similar enough that you can just transfer compiled methods wholesale without having to recompile them. And as I understand, spoon images are very small compared to regular small talk images. Yeah, that's sort of the other uh, thing that sets it apart is that it's for a module system to truly be useful, you have to have a minimal core on which to operate that you can uh, grow into a bigger system. And so a context has that, a minimal image, which only has what it needs to start up and uh, run the module system to load more modules. So is context going to be a commercial small talk or will it be open source? I intend for it to remain an open source small talk. Uh, in fact, I hope that it will be a future version of Squeak. That's why it was called Spoon originally. That was my name for uh, a fork of a project with the intention of bringing it back together uh, later. Hence a spoon. Hmm, cool. So let's move forward. There are some other small talks that have been around. Um, one of them is called Visual Small Talk Enterprise and used to be called Digitalk. And that one, um, it's not commercially sold these days, but there are still projects that are uh, continuing to develop in VSE. Um, It was uh, a product that started in the late 1980s and uh, was for a while sold to Park Place and then uh, sort of went its own different way. And so uh, there are still projects that use uh, Visual Smalltalk Enterprise to this day. For a while, Digitalk Smalltalk was the only way to run Smalltalk on an IBM PC. Yeah, in fact, uh, Digitalk Smalltalk was originally called Methods and ran in a DOS environment. It was very wild watching it. It looked like DOS. Yeah. So anyway, so Visual Smalltalk Enterprise, uh, no, it's not a product you can really purchase anymore, but there are many shops that do use Visual Smalltalk Enterprise to this day. A couple of other dialects of Smalltalk, one's called Smalltalk X, and there's one called Smalltalk MT, and those have their own little niche uh, areas in the Smalltalk world with uh, people developing on them. Now, what are their niches? Where do, where do Smalltalk X and Smalltalk MT get used? Uh, Smalltalk X is from a company called uh, Except Software, so E-X-E-P-T. Uh, now... Smalltalk X is a, um, it's free to use, but you can purchase support, basically, as I understand it. Um, I don't know a whole lot about where it's being used. Um, The product uh, support sells in euros, so I'm assuming that their main markets are in Europe. Yeah, except as a German company. I think it was called Smalltalk X because initially it was specialized for X11 windowing environments. Yeah, and these days it runs on... Windows and other environments. 
Uh, Smalltalk MT is from a company called Object Connect. It's an optimizing compiler, and uh, it's it has fully multi-threaded uh, libraries and primitives that are all re-entrant, which is uh, quite amazing. It's actually used for some uh, real-time uh, uh, real-time systems, as I understand it. Ah, okay, so MT for multi-threaded. Yes, I believe so. Other versions of Smalltalk uh, include StrongTalk. Now, StrongTalk has an interesting history. Uh, StrongTalk was a version of Smalltalk that was built from people who uh, came from a project called Self, and they pioneered some concepts of uh, dynamic inlining of code to make it really fast. And that dynamic inlining technology was uh, used as the the basis of uh, the Java Hotspot compiler. StrongTalk was from a company called Anamorphic Systems. Now, in recent years, uh, StrongTalk um, has been open sourced. So they've they've resurrected it, they've revamped it, and they've made it as open source so as possible to uh, go to the strongtalk.org website and download StrongTalk. Yeah, and the self-group was led by David Unger at Stanford University originally, and then later they moved to Sun. Other small talks. Let's see. There's one called Hash Small Talk, which runs on .NET. So it runs as a, uh, a .NET executable and uh, has nice interoperability with other .NET languages. That's done by a company called The Refactory. Um, and Redline Small Talk is Small Talk on top of a Java VM. And... Uh, that one, uh, because it's on top of a Java VM, it can run anywhere that Java VMs can run, which is almost anywhere. Another one I'll mention is uh, Smalltalk Agents, which was from a company called Quasar Knowledge Systems, run by David Simmons. And that was uh, tailored for the Mac originally. Yes, uh, I do remember Smalltalk Agents. Um, there were some other uh, experimental small talks. There was one called Little Small Talk by Timothy Budd years ago as well. Ambre is no longer available, but it was a Mac-only uh, small talk that uh, that was developed by a friend of mine here in Ottawa. Oh, okay. And then I think the newest small talk uh, is one called Essence Sharp. Yes, uh, a small talk written for the .NET virtual machine by Alan Lovejoy. Right, and he's using it for uh, some financial, like uh, stock market type applications. Yeah, he's using it for some stock trading applications, but he's intending it uh, to be an open source, general purpose small talk. So I guess the message in the end is we have lots and lots of different small talks. Uh, What you'll find is that the base class libraries on all of them are all uh, pretty much the same. And it's the differences come when you get into the details of user interfaces or maybe even as close as file systems, that maybe even file systems are different on all of them. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a small talk called the Dolphin Small Talk? Oh, of course, right. That's now turned into something called Lesser Small Talk. That one's still available, but uh, I'm not sure if it's up for commercial sale. I'd have to look into it. Okay. But uh, in any event, um, Small Talk is unusual in that sense that there are so many different dialects of it. There's no one dialect that's necessarily better or worse than any others, but they they all have their own uses. For the most part, they're fairly compatible. And in fact, some frameworks, such as the Seaside framework, had been moved around from Smalltalk to Smalltalk to Smalltalk. So uh, it's, it is possible to move code from dialect to dialect. 
but you'll find you'll find sometimes that it's uh, a little bit tricky to do that um, because of the differences between the different languages. Right, and I'm hoping to port my module system from Context to all the other small talks as well. And since it's based on remote messaging, I'm hoping that I can get all the different small talks speaking with each other over the network. Right, that sounds cool. In any event, I guess that pretty much wraps up what we wanted to talk about for this episode. If you're going to try Smalltalk, you first of all have to pick a dialect. Have a look at what's available and uh, see which one fits your, your needs best. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you very much, Craig. Uh, you can contact us at smalltalkreflections at thiscontext.com. You can visit our blog at smalltalkreflections.blogspot.ca and leave a comment there, or you can post a review on iTunes. Craig Ladder performed the music and edited the podcast. See you next week. See you, David. Bye.